Oh, <laughs> are we on? Are we on? Did, did are we on camera? Did you <laughs> Welcome back to Maxi's Taxi, interviews of people you've probably never heard of. Today's interview is with Dickie Maxson Sr., my father, my pop. He's 80 now, but still very active and sharp-minded and fun to talk to whenever I can get him to stop puttering around a yard or working at his desk. Among other things, we'll talk about his flowers, his brushes, and one of his beloved vans catching on fire. This interview is rated G for general audiences with no profanity or adult subject matter. Growing up, I rarely heard my dad curse. In fact, my father even gets annoyed today when I use words that he considers coarse, like for example, one time I was using the word turd as we were talking, and he was grimacing like he was eating a lemon. Finally, after the fourth or fifth use of the word, he couldn't stand it anymore. So he blurts out, could you please find another word rather than using that particular word? What's your favorite word? My favorite word? Oh, I don't know, Dickie. Who has a favorite word? Does anybody have a favorite word? Uh, <laughs> I have no idea, Dickie. I, you know, desk, all right? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. Who's got a favorite word? <laughs> what, what kind of circles do you run in, Dick? <laughs> you sit around and talk about your favorite word. Well, you're really going to love the next one. What's your favorite color? No, I'm just kidding. Well, I could answer that. Oh, you can? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got a favorite color. But you don't feel that's a silly... Because there's only 10 colors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't feel that's as silly as asking what your favorite word is? No, not at all. Uh, no, because I'm all kidding aside, does anybody that you know really have a favorite word? I mean, there are words that roll off the tongue. You know, alliteration. There's one. <laughs> alliteration. <laughs> Mountain Dew. <laughs> Shall we move on? Yeah, can we, please? <laughs> what is it about boxing in general that you enjoy? Well, like it, like most people, I like sports, and to me, that's the ultimate sport, where you strictly depend on yourself. And, and very little luck involved, some luck, of course, but very little, you know, like whether you win doesn't, has no dependency on whether the outfielder drops a ball, you know, it's strictly you. And uh, basically, that's it. it, it, it what, you're you're going to get your rewards, you know, if you're better, you'll almost always win, if you're a little bit better than the other guy, not always, but almost always. And, uh, you know, it's manly and so forth, obvious reasons, you know. I mean, I used to think to myself years ago that if I had my choice to do anything for the rest of my life, like you asked me a little while ago, it would either be a singer, a great singer, or a great boxer. But I'm sure if I really thought about it, it would be I'd rather be a singer. You don't get hit as much, you know.
Can you talk about the history of how you got into into growing flowers and having a garden? Yeah, it's easy. Uh, when I moved into this house, Pop, I mean, you, you, I've never lived on a main street before, and I've never lived in a house, always an apartment, basically, right? Where I had a front, my own front yard. So you got to have something nice in your front yard. You know, you can't have it looking. You know, you got to have something. But Pop had built that little rock garden. And he had put artificial flowers. I don't know if he ever planted real flowers. I don't know if he ever did or he didn't. But he always had the artificial stuff. And uh, I just probably kept the artificial stuff. And I, w I was only here about two years when Dee moved in with me. And she got really started the flowers. And she was good at that. And she started doing mainly petunias. And she was very good at that. And I had all flowers all over the place, climbing up the walls and climbing up the stair, the railings. You know, I could show you some pictures. And uh, so she really got me into it. And she was only here about two years. And, I've, you know, I just kept planting the flowers. I learned a little bit how to do it. But I didn't even know how to put a flower into the ground. I said, Is it, it's, you just buy it and you stick it in the ground and that's it. I didn't know nothing about flowers. And she said, yeah, you know, you got to take a certain amount of care. Got to weed a lot. You know, so that's how I get into flowers. But it, it, I'm not a flower person. It's just that I want the front of my house to look nice. People come by to look at the flowers, you know. So five, six, seven years ago, I did a lot of research on petunias, and I found out the best ones to buy. But usually, you go to Home Depot or somewhere, and you buy petunia. It doesn't tell you what they are. It doesn't tell you if they're wave. And I happen to notice, because I had to research, because they were all dying. It doesn't tell you if they're wave, if they're uh, cascade, and all of that matters. Depends on what you want to do with the petunia. Oh. <laughs> I'm not a flower guy. That's <laughs> no, I'm not a flower guy. But think I'll show you my notebook. I had a, like, there's so many kinds of petunias. You know, you would, there's a, a hundred kinds of petunias, you know, strains and, and hybrids and everything. Do you see where it was funny for me hearing you talk, like, in detail about, about, um, panties and petunias and like yeah because i've never been a guy that would all your life you would never picture me talking about pansies are prettier than petunias and i'm still not that kind of a guy believe me <laughs> well since we're talking about nana what's can you tell me that story about like what you'd like to do on her birthday with the flower every year uh, sometimes I do it on Easter, sometimes on a birthday, because they're very close, right? Like, if I go to do it on the first one, and if I don't get to it, I do it on the second day. Uh, I put a flower on her grave that I grow in my garden. And very often, it's a flower, because this is in the spring, that has been reborn from the year before. Like right now, you see those, uh, what are they? Pansies. So, they'll die, they'll disappear, and they'll some of them will come back in March. You know, you plant a flower in, let's say, September, and it blooms, and then it disappears, basically. But there's still something in the ground. And then you have maybe that much snow laying on top in the winter for a while, and then the snow melts, and then uh, a couple months after the snow melts, you got a flower coming up. So I take one of them, and I dig it up, I take a big clump, I take a big bowl, I put it in a big bowl, you know, and I go up and I, and I plant it there. And that's pretty much the only time I go to Nana's grave is that one time a year, because it's always kind of sad, you know. 
I don't know, I, I kind of uh, come up with good ideas for different things. You know, I come up with good ideas, a way of, of ways of cleaning things. I always say you can you can measure a man's intelligence by looking at his brushes. I have a lot of brushes. Do you have the bag of brushes out in the kitchen? I got a lot of brushes under my kitchen cabinet. Okay. Should I get the bag? It's up to you. <laughs> Let me pause for a second. You get it, you get it. No. Don't turn it on yet. But I don't want to sit here and talk about brushes. Here's one that, you know, th this is for a specific drain. Uh, are you running now? Well, yeah. <laughs> you, I, I, don't you want me? You're going to show me. Okay. Just show me that one. Okay. This is a, a brush that I made because it's the right angle, the right spiral and everything for going like this and cleaning out a particular... I have to... N nobody knows what that drain looks like, Dickie, you know. I mean, I'd have to take you and show you and say, see how it goes in perfectly and see how I can unwind it. And if I didn't have that exact bend because of the shape of the sink and how close the drain is to the wall of the sink, you couldn't do it. So that's a manufactured brush, okay? That's the only one you want to show me? <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, I have a brush that I attach <laughs> to, my, to my vacuum cleaner. <laughs> talking about brushes that I attach to my vacuum cleaner to the end of a long telescoping smaller and smaller hose to clean the inside of my my dryer of my gas dryer and I can snake it in there and I've never seen an, any tool anywhere in the world that does what that does and the, and the last end piece is as big as your pinky and suck all the uh, lint out of my dryer. Okay. So, what's your reticence about talking about brushes? I just think it's silly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, people are going to think I'm nuts that I'm a brush nut or something. You know. Yeah. Well, what do you what do you jokingly say about a man and his you know brushes? I I already said it. <laughs> you can, you can measure a man's intelligence by looking at his brushes, but not just cleaning brushes. I have. You know, paintbrushes that I that I customize. You know, I mean, I have paintbrushes that I use for ten years. What else you want to know about brushes? I have three or four brushes around my sink for cleaning my. Look how nice my shoes are. Now, most people who don't have my intelligence will take their white sneakers and put them in a wash machine once in a while but that's dumb you take a little 409 or fan and you and you brush it you have a brush just for that and my shoes always look brand new these shoes are a year old they look brand new. Well, a lot of people walk around with with dirty white sneakers you know but i don't have to now you don't want to throw them in a wash machine because after two or three times you got to buy new sneakers but i don't never have to buy new sneakers i can show you ones that are three years old that look almost as good except they're worn out a little bit so that's, you know, I clean my white sneakers with a brush. I have nail brushes. I have, well, as you know, I have scratch brushes. I have a, I have a special brush that's perfect for shampooing my beard. I have a two or three of them. Okay. <laughs> well, you got me going on brushes. <laughs> Talking about brushes.
mentioned the Chevy van. What happened to that? Uh, I was coming home from that. I was out clubbing in Keensburg, and uh, it was in the middle of the winter. It was very cold, and uh, you know it takes a while for your heater to warm up. And I had a little space heater that I kept in the van for working late and so forth. And a few times I would have to sleep in my van in the winter. And it was a propane heater, which actually has a little flame in it. You know. And I lit it, and I'm coming down Carr Avenue in Keensburg, like 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever it was. And after I go, you know, I lit it, and I'm driving, and I noticed that it caught fire on a, my curtain, you know, that I cut off the back of my van. And I started to do something, but I said to myself, let me get to Dixie Lee parking lot, because I don't want to stop 2 o'clock in the morning right on the street and for any reason let me get to the Dixie Lee parking lot and I can pull in put this little fire out but then in the meantime it got bigger of course they, they spread faster than you think and what happened was it caught the rug it caught the rug on the floor and that started burning and I couldn't stop it so I pulled in I went around the side I remember as I, and I, I, I still had the jacket which I saved I think I showed you I guess it was as I was jumping out of the driver's seat, the flame actually burned the back of my hair, the back of my jacket. It was that spread that fast, you know. But then I went around the side and I tried to drag the rug out, but but because the rug had melted, I couldn't drag it out. So naturally, you know, I had to get away. And I'm thinking, what should I do? What should I? So I go away. I go down to the corner, <laughs> and I'm I hide behind the building because. I'm not going to be too close when the, when, the, when the van actually blows up, that when it hits the gas, right? How far was the parking lot that you were trying to get to? Uh, probably a block or two, you know, and uh, not that far. And it was like a, yeah, I, 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 it was definitely a wrong decision not to stop and pull over and pull a curtain out or something. But, yeah, it was definitely a, a wrong decision to keep driving. But I was afraid if you pull over... This is the, one of the main streets in Keensburg, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and Keensburg is famous for having cops, you know, pull over drivers because, you know, well, Keensburg is a honky-tonk town, and, you know, everybody's coming out of the bars drunk. And there I am trying to put out a fire on the side. I'm thinking I'm wind up getting a ticket for something or other, you know. So I figured if I get in the parking lot, at least I'm off, off the street. And it was only another block, you know, like another 10, 15 seconds. But in that 10 or 15 seconds, it spread real quick. I, yeah, I was shocked. I was shocked. Do you remember the, the attitude of the cops in terms of, was it amusing to them, or uh, did they roll their eyes or anything, or did you joke about it? Do you remember anything at all? I don't remember joking about it. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't in a joking mood, you know. I was nervous, because I had a few beers. You know, I'm thinking, are they going to give me a ticket for drunk driving? Are they going to give me a ticket for anything? You know, a thousand reasons you could get a ticket, I guess. But I didn't get any tickets. I couldn't believe it. I said, man, you know. I lost a van, but that was maybe the least of my worries. You know, you think you're going to go to jail or something, you know? I never, there were no repercussions whatsoever, except I lost a van, you know? But you didn't feel like you had blundered? Oh, I felt like stupid, of course. Of, of course. I had to tell him I, I, <laughs> I got a flame heater in the back of my van, <laughs> and there's the, there's the curtain, <laughs> and there's the rugs, and I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> And I just let it start driving along. Of course, I felt it was stupid. You know, how much stupid? <laughs> how much stupid could you be? You know.
All right, I was uh, going to work early in the morning, ran out of gas just before the crest. I come to a stop trying to make the crest of the bridge. And if I had made it over the crest, I could have made it down and gotten onto a shoulder and been much better off. But here I am in a fast lane, top of a bridge, Garden State Parkway, fast traffic lane, stuck. And all the cars are going around me, going around me, and I'm holding up traffic and everything. Bad spot to be in. But it wasn't too long before a cop came. He's looking in. He says, is your gas gauge all right, buddy, or something like that? And I said, yeah, and he just went. <laughs> in other words, how dumb could you be, you know? At least, or either that, or most people would say, oh, my gas gauge don't work, officer, so they don't look stupid. But I said, no, nah, nothing wrong with my gas gauge. Something wrong with me, you know? <laughs> All right, now you got it. Now you got it for posterity. <laughs> no? Yeah, I'm out of gas. No, my gas gauge ain't broken. <laughs> got to take a break, folks. The interview is peeing his pants over here. <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories. I mean, you know, what could you say? No, the gas gauge ain't broken. <laughs> but from that point on, the guy was very helpful. So strategy worked, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta help this old fool, you know. <laughs> I have a lot of early memories as being of a small child. I can remember, uh, always building little tents in the, in the sun parlor and really enjoying living under the tent and playing. I was an Indian star. I used to play Indian a lot as a kid. So I had to be a little kid. I mean, I couldn't have been, you know, I had to be little. Uh, I can remember uh, a few times Roy and the army fight and rolling around the floor and I'd always be rooting for the army because she didn't pick army, but Roy did. Uh, oh, I have a memory of uh, VJ Day. Of, uh, we all went down, and I, so I had to be like five or six, let's say six. And I remember going down to Aunt Helen's, and we all, I think we go walk out of pots and pans in Aunt Helen's. Maybe she had the oldest set, who knows? You know, Helen and Percy's. And uh, vaguely remember walking up and down by Evan, everybody banging pots together, making noise because the war was over. You know, I remember that. Oh, and I also have memories, speaking of the war, of um, the sirens going and getting scared, going in, getting in bed with my mother and father. And I have memories of looking out the front window in my mother and father's bedroom. You had to pull the shades down because we have, oh, having blackouts. And, you know, all the lights are off the whole town. And looking out, be like a power blackout, you know. And seeing the, the searchlights looking for enemy planes. I can remember that. I remember going to the movies and going, it seems in my mind like every Saturday night, we got in the car and we went to Long Ranch to the movies. But you, you glamorize things, you know, you romanticize things. Maybe we went, you know, once a year or twice a year, but it seems like we went a lot, you know. And I remember, I can actually remember Pop cranking up the car with the hand crank to go to the movies. I can remember that. I remember it seems like we broke down a lot and we'd either have a flat or overheat or something else, just about every time. But that wasn't, but that wasn't just us. That was everybody. You know, you, you, know, you couldn't go a long branch without having something go wrong with your car, you know, at least a flat tire. I mean, you did have a lot of flats in them days. 
But uh, getting back to that Long Branch, the routine was we'd go to the Brook, the um, it was called the Paramount, I think. It was in Long Branch on Broadway, and right next door was what we call the Chinks. That's so funny. <laughs> and I remember that the only thing I wanted to get was the egg drop soup, which was ten cents a bowl. And I remember, you know, everybody they'd get chow mein or whatever they would get, and I would just get, I'd have like three bowls of soup. That was a real treat, you know. So I come up with an idea, which, you know, some immodest person might say ingenious. <laughs> Good thing I'm not in, think I'm not immodest. What is the word, modest or immodest? So that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to Maxi's Taxi, interviews of people you've probably never heard of. Special thanks, of course, to my dad, Dick Maxson. Thanks for everything, Pop. And I mean everything over all the years of my life. And thanks to the others who encouraged or inspired my love of interviewing people. Mrs. Maureen Keeler, Dr. Bob Cole, Dr. Gerald Flannery, Studs Terkel, and This American Life. And thank you for taking time out of your busy lives to listen to Maxie's Taxi. If you'd like to drop me a line, my email is maxon.richard at gmail.com. That is maxon, M-A-X-S-O-N, dot richard at gmail.com. Finally, if you'd like to see film versions of some of these stories, you can go to vimeo.com and just search with my name. For instance, you can watch my dad as he expands and expounds on brushes, or you can see kids from the 70s jumping off the old Highlands Bridge as Ricky Airbear talks about his one and only jump into the water. That's Vimeo.com. Thank you again. Farewell. Good luck. And I hope to see you for the next episode. Yeah, because I've never been a guy that would, all your life, you would never picture me talking about pansies or prettier than petunias. And I'm still not that kind of a guy, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Got to take a break, folks. The interview is peeing his pants over here. <laughs> Shall we move on? Yeah, can we, please? <laughs>